This is your Olympic hero and former WWE champion, Kurt Angle. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's damn true. Kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. I am the best in the world at what I do. Gentlemen. You are the top 1%. The elite. Best of the best. But the cream will rise to the top all year. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. You are now listening to the Elite Sports Podcast. Brought to you by Mo Sports in Liberty. The pinnacle of hard-hitting sports talk. Featuring weekly expert analysis and top-notch interviews. And now, please welcome your hosts, Clint Schweitzer and Noah Groniger. Welcome into the Elite Sports Podcast. I'm Noah Groniger alongside Clint Schweitzer. And Clint, normally we would be getting ready for SEC Media Days, the college and NFL football seasons. But this season, if there's no fans, Fox Sports has said that they're going to pump in crowd noise and digitize fans, something that the Los Angeles Chargers and previously the San Diego Chargers have needed all along. Yeah, what a crazy time we live in. Instead of uh, talking about our upcoming appearance at SEC Media Days, getting ready to really kick off the season here this summer as we are kind of heading out of spring football, at least in the college realm. Here, now we're starting to look at things like, well, six NFL teams have released new uniforms uh, in the offseason. We're almost a month removed from the draft, and we're talking about digitizing fans and piping in crowd noise. <laughs> Noah, this is not the world that I signed up to live in uh, 36 years ago. No, if people would have told me or shown me post-coronavirus uniforms, I would have been like, so this virus takes out all of our creativity all of our common sense, and we're just throwing up on these uniforms and getting them out there, these new Rams ones, the recent ones that came out, the bone on bone, and apparently that color is supposed to represent the color of an actual Rams horn, and it looks awful. It's not white. It's not gray. It's bone. You can't even say that word without it sounding ridiculous. In fact, I hearken back to Patrick Bateman from American Psycho talking about his business card being bone and the font being silly and rail. I don't know what the hell the font is on the uh, Rams road jersey, but it, it might be silly and rail. It's something that's extremely non-pleasing to the eye. I don't know what's going on with these uniforms. We've had uh, six teams release new uniforms here in the past, uh, I guess, six to eight weeks, and I hate all of them. I mean, people talk about, well, the Browns, they really knocked it out of the park. Well, the Browns have the worst colors in all of sports, and yay, they went back to the 90s, uh, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, you know, with Bernie Kosar and Ernest Biner, and that wasn't that hard to do. I don't really understand why that would even need to be praised. Meanwhile, we have teams like the Falcons, talked about the Rams, the Patriots, the Chargers. Everybody's all in, up in arms about the Chargers wins, hailing them as the best ones of the offseason. But I don't even like most of those combos. So I don't know where I am with this. Uh, I think uniform changes. I'm a uniform guy. So I really look into this stuff. You look at the, 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 the shoulders and the piping on the pants, all that stuff. It just It's like these are representation of, you know, of the NFL, of the city that they're playing in. And it just it, a lot of times it doesn't do it for me. And it makes you – kind of 
happy that you live in a place like Kansas City. If you're in Kansas City, Las Vegas, Green Bay, well, you've got it made because your uniforms are never changing and they're identifiable and they're already amazing. Yeah, Pittsburgh as well. Hopefully they don't do any uh, drastic changes because it's just uh, so classic and uh, goes back to tradition. And But we're talking about some of these new uniforms. The Falcons and the Rams both have like one color bleeding into another color, which is horrendous. And it's like on the numbers and it's on the seams of the pants. And uh, just to go to the Falcons, the giant ATL across the chest, the Rams have a patch that says Los Angeles Rams and it's in white and it's on the bone jerseys and it just, none of it makes sense. Their blue ones look like there's someone just working at Best Buy, their uniform. I just don't get any of it, really. I mean, the Patriots have uh, giant stripes on their shoulder pads. There's no real logo there and just, they all just look awful. It's something like on Madden Create a Team and those Rams bone on bone ones are probably worse than anything anyone could even come up with on a Madden creative team. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm not a fan. I'm not looking forward to this new season and moving ahead because these uniforms are atrocious. Like some were okay, but now it's just going to be widespread league atrocious uniforms. Well, I'll tell you, someone that is looking forward to the upcoming season as I transition smoothly into who our guest is going to be nice. this week. It is going to be uh, defensive end Charles Harris. Uh, played at Mizzou. We covered him there. Uh, covered his pro day. He gets selected 22nd overall by the Miami Dolphins. To say that uh, his career there has been a disappointment, um, you know, there's no way around that. I mean, uh, he's only amassed three sacks in the three years. Um, he really hasn't developed like a lot of people thought he would, um, you know, as a, as a top flight defensive end in this league. So he gets traded to the Atlanta Falcons for a seventh round pick. And we're going to talk to Charles about, uh, you know, is this his last chance because the Falcons have declined his fifth year option. This is his last chance. And coming, you know, being a fir- former first round pick, the expectations were high. Uh, Miami is going through a lot of transition. They still are. Uh, it's not a good organization right now. Maybe he goes to Atlantic and reunite the, the career. But man, we were there back in 2017, he's in the same draft class, you know, as, as Patrick Mahomes going back to that. I remember being at his pro day. He's going to talk in the interview about being um, at an all-star game with Patrick Mahomes. He knows Patrick. Well, he's going to talk about this year. He's got to play against uh, Mahomes, Drew Locke, his former teammate at Mizzou, Tom Brady twice and Drew Brees twice. So he's going to get a shot against some of the best quarterbacks in the league. So it's going to be a pleasure to welcome Charles to the show. And uh, we just hope he can get that career you know, going again in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned it there. I mean, he just can't seem to get rid of Tom Brady. He thought he had left him behind when Tom moved on to the Buccaneers, and then he gets traded to the Falcons. So twice again, Tom it is. And, of course, Matt Ryan, uh, he's going to be playing with. And then there's Drew Brees. And even Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and with the Saints last year. Now he's in Carolina, so he's going to have to face him. And yeah, really looking to get that career back on track and try and uh, get the Falcons to extend him or another team in free agencies playing for uh, all the other teams out there too that are going to watch this film of him this upcoming season and uh, decide whether they want to give him a try, maybe another one-year prove-it deal, or maybe they extend him, maybe he has a great year, which we're hoping for, and he can get that long-term deal that he's looking for. I just love Charles' story so much. Coming as an unranked recruit out of Lincoln Prep here in Kansas City, uh, Missouri was his only Division I offer. He goes there. He thrives. You think about the defensive ends that were at Mizzou at the time he gets there in 2013. This is a team that went to the SEC championship game, was within one win away from the national title. And they had guys like Coney Ely, Marcus Golden, Shane Ray, 
they've got some unbelievable talent there um, on that Missouri defensive line. So he comes up after that. You hear about the hashtag and the term D-line zoo. Charles was very much a part of that. He goes through a coaching change. Gary Pinkle retires uh, in 2015, and Gary and Barry Odom comes in. And just we're going to talk to him about that, the system. I don't think Charles was very happy with the money crosses system, uh, at least initially in 2016 at Missouri. And we'll talk to him about maybe how that impacted him. But he's regardless, winds up being a first round pick. So it's always great to catch up with, you know, current players, especially in this climate. Like what's going on? How are they doing their meetings? Uh, Charles is just coming from a meeting here. And I think most of his stuff's been online. You know, when you get traded, and you're going to a new team in a new city and you can't really like be in person meeting your teammates and coaches. We'll see what Dan Quinn has in store for him in Atlanta, but that's got to be difficult just trying to fit in. Yeah. Trying to get to know your teammates. They're calling you, you're doing zoom meetings, but it's not just as simple as normal life. When you're going into a locker room, you get to see everyone face to face up close. Are you, how are they doing these zoom meetings? Is it a defensive line group? And so these are all things that, uh, go into a new player joining their team, Tom Brady, uh, in Tampa Bay, walking into the wrong house, trying to find Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator's house. He rocks, walks into the wrong house. And, uh, yeah, is, uh, Charles Harris trying to go over to coaches' houses or, uh, and just meeting player through player through Zoom meeting uh, has to be exhausting and just a different experience for these guys. Well, we wish nothing but the best for Mr. Harris as uh, – we hope that he can get his career reignited there in the ATL. So without further ado, we want to bring our, our guest this week. It is former Mizzou defensive end, current defensive end from the Atlanta Falcons, Charles Harris. Charles, welcome to the show, my friend. How's everything going? Charles, my man, what's up, man? How's it going? Things have got to be crazy for you. The last couple weeks have been crazy. Just kind of take us through it. Um, you get traded to Atlanta. Um, and, the, and this happens in the middle of, of a time where you can't get together. You, you know, you, you've probably done a, lo- a lot of your meetings all, all online. What's, what's, it, what's the last couple of weeks been like for you? Actually, it's been too heck, uh, like you said. I mean, it's kind of it's actually be kind of weird because normally whenever you get traded, like they kind of want you there, like immediately. You know what I mean? Like so, it's actually been kind of slow pace. Um, it hasn't been um, urgency behind it, just for the health and safety of you know family and everything like that. So. Let us down real cool. It's been real chill um, about the whole, you know, movement process and everything. Um, so it hasn't, it hasn't been as, you know, as dramatic as, you know, I would expect, uh, you know, whenever you get traded. But, yeah, I mean, it's not too bad. Well, take us through this because uh, you spent three years in Miami. You're uh, the first-round pick, 22nd overall in 2017. Do you consider this a, a an opportunity for a fresh start? Are, are you excited about this opportunity? What, what, were your, what was your thinking when you got the news that uh, you're being traded to the Falcons? I'm elated. I'm really elated. My family actually stayed, uh, actually in Tipton, Georgia, um, so not too far away from Atlanta. Um, I actually got married in Atlanta last year, um, in 2019, so I've been there. I'll be there all the time, and I have a lot of family down there, so they're all, and I'm very excited. I was very elated when I got the call, um, and, you know, it was, it was just a great, a great move, a really good move. Well, you know, you spend three years in Miami. Uh, you, you you play the New England Patriots twice a year, Tom Brady, and then you move to the NFC South, and Tom Brady yeah. moves there with you. So he's now a Buccaneer. What, what you you can't get away from Tom Brady, I guess, and that's okay. You're gonna you you know just keep hunting him down, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's competitive, so I'm excited to compete and get some new matchups. Yes, absolutely the case. Excited to see where things go from here. 
Dan Quinn, uh, your new coach, talked about how um, he wants to get you in there and to make you the best version of yourself. What does that mean to you? Do you and what do you feel like that you need to work on to become a top flight defensive end in this league? Being fast, being physical, um, being competitive. You know, having urgency and tenacity to get the ball, and uh, you know, just some toughness and physicality. You know what I mean? I think um, it's not it's not really a um, you know all season. Make sure you're doing your workouts and everything like that. So it's really a, cut, a clear cut plan as to how you you know how you succeed in the league. Well, can't wait to see where things go for you. I mean, the the, the Falcons have declined your your fifth year option. So do you feel like? 20 I mean you're 25 years old man the 20 but in 2020 you're, you know your fourth year in the league how pivotal is this year for you how important is this that you succeed at a high level this year oh it's very important um not just for you know for uh, myself but also for the guys that I play with you know what I mean and just trying to do the best that we can and uh, ultimately get to the ship you know what I mean get to the championship so it's um you know that's, that's really the whole goal is to win so, you know, not just personally, you know, me getting my own stats and my own numbers, but just also just overall just making sure that, you know, success is, is something that we can leave behind. You know, that's a legacy is what's being left behind. So just going to the organization, um, just giving everything I got. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see about the fifth year. We'll see about that. Well, um, the, the Falcons, you know, clearly going all in here. For one, an, a, a uniform change. So, we, you know, with, given the times now – where we don't have a lot to watch, a lot of sports going on, the uniform changes are dominating, you know, people's uh, football appetite. So new uniform changes in Atlanta. The, the Falcons go out and get Todd Gurley. The, Matt Ryan's been an incumbent there. The offense is there. The Falcons, it's time to get the defense on that level. So you're a part of that. How do you feel about, um, you know, kind of the Falcons' defense trying to complement this great offense? The Falcons are close uh, to being a championship contending team and, you know, that's something that you're hoping to be a part of, I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, shoot, I think, you know, a great, a great high-power offense, you know, means that we should have plenty of rest on defense. <laughs> we should have plenty of rest on defense. So we should, uh, we should be fresh. We should be good to go. Um, down down up to down. So um, now I look forward to, you know, got to the points. And uh, we've got a compliment thing about getting three and out, getting takeaways, getting turnovers. Um, so, no, it, I feel like it's, it, it's very definitely – Let's take you back to your Mizzou career because we were there, Charles, whenever um, uh, we were at your pro day covering that. We were there throughout your entire career at Mizzou. You're a two-star prospect coming out of Lincoln Prep here in Kansas City. You wind up being a two-time All-SEC performer at the University of Missouri. Just take us through that journey for you coming from being a basically unranked prospect. You're a two-star guy. Not a lot of Division One, you know, prospects out there for you. You go to Mizzou. Just take us through that experience at, at Mizzou and how were you able to grow into the player you became? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a mixture of highs and lows. Um, you know, really having faith and having hope that you know all the work that she put in really does pay off. Um, like you said, I mean, I came out of Mizzou. I mean, I came out of Kansas City from Lincoln Prep. Uh, wasn't even a two star. Was a zero star. Just didn't have no stars at all. Uh, <laughs> so when they took the chance on me, I'm at Mizzou. Definitely an honor. Um, I picked that around, but I took the opportunity and I ran with it. Um, you know, I obviously made it pay off. But, yeah, I mean, just a mixture of highs and lows. I mean, it was never times where it was clear-cut, like, oh, you're going to become X, Y, Z, or you're going to go to the league. It was never that kind of situation. It was always a possibility. But when if I fail, when if I fail, when if I get hurt, when if this happens, when if that happens. 
Um, so it was never, it was never just laid out, you know what I mean? Like a lot of other guys that have it when they come out of high school, you know, it's kind of destined for them to be in the league or destined for them to go on to the next level. Um, and I think that that unforeseen future is what kind of drove me, propelled me to work into now, work in the present. And I think that's exactly what's happening right now. I mean, right now I'm in a situation where there's no future, like you just said. Um, you know, let us find my fifth year option. So there's really no future ahead. But at the same time, I just got to focus and understand that the work that I put in right now, the work that I put into this season, it's going to pay off somewhere, some, some, some way out, you know, down the road. Someone's always watching. So um, that's kind of how my mentality is going into it and not thinking about the future, not thinking about, you know, next year or the end of the bus, but just, you know, working hard in the present. And um, that's all you can do, uh, just, you know, plant the seeds of hope and wish and, um, you know, wait for the day for you, for you to reap your harvest. When you get to Mizzou in 2013, um, Missouri, really, you know, the term uh, D-line zoo was made about the defensive uh, line talent that was there at the time. You guys like Coney Ely, um, Shane Ray, um, Marcus Golden, of course. I mean, these guys were, you know, all in the league. You know, of course, Shane Ray uh, goes to Denver. Marcus Golden, uh, now a New York Giant. Just talk about what those guys meant to you and kind of how they, they mentored you and kind of how you became kind of the next guy on that list. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. Um, when I first got to the zoo, it was, um, it was a different environment, you know, different, different environment. I know I was walking into, um, I just happened to walk into a great group of brothers who, um, you know, all about the game. I think that most of that, the bottom line, we all love the game. But I think that's what really drew us all together. And we all, with us loving the game, we also knew how you're supposed to play the game. And we all kind of carried that as a standard upon our shoulders. And uh, I think that that kind of environment itself was able, I was able to just uh, really just be nurtured in it, you know what I mean? Kind of come up in it, be raised up in it. And um, I think that's what kind of led to the overall success. Uh, for our, part of the overall success in my career was definitely those guys uh, teaching, uh, you know, whether that's technique in fundamentals or whether that's just mentality and how to react to things off the field. Um, and I think that's kind of what helped carry me throughout my years in the zoo. So uh, we definitely look forward to always talking to guys about us going back in the zoo and, you know, just helping out some guys up at the line right now, getting in touch with the line, and, um, you know, just trying to create that environment again. But, you know, it's hard to do when you're not the one in the room at the same time. Um, it doesn't have to be that, but it'll be those kind of results. You know what I mean? They can set their own, they can set their own positions, set their own culture. It is about whatever mentality some guys all have collectively. Well, uh, in the middle of your career, um, there's a coaching change at Mizzou. Gary Pinkle retires, and uh, Barry Odom comes in. You play for him for one year. Uh, you, you played for you know Dave Steckles, your defensive coordinator, Craig Kuligowski, the defensive line coach, uh, and just how wonderful they were. But Damani Cross comes in as your defensive coordinator, and uh, the team is doesn't have a great season your junior year. You guys finish 4-8. And things didn't go off on on a high note on the field, but you still had nine sacks, second team all SEC. Just talk about that coaching change and how that kind of impacted you. Uh, was it a positive change, a negative, or just you just kept doing you? Well, I think in the present in that time, yeah, I kind of didn't. I didn't really care for it. Yeah, you know I mean, I really didn't care for the coaching change. I didn't like the scheme. I was being successful on the scheme, so I was like keeping all the things. But I kind of realized. Um, even like going through, before we even started the season, but we were in spring ball, implementing the whole um, package and everything, Ronnie Cross kind of set me down with it's like, yo, you're going to be successful in anything you play. You know, it's not the scheme that makes you a great player. You're a great player within the scheme. But I think him kind of setting me down and kind of making me realize that I can't be selfish and think, oh, well, last year this is how I did it. Um, and him expanding my knowledge of the game 
Um, you know, and them guys is like Odom, because Odom just also, you know, being in my ear and just also keeping me positive about, you know, you want to make plays in this game, you want to make plays in this game. Because it's a whole, it's a totally different game. You went from being an attack down, attack down, just be fair to, to uh, more read, two gap, um, slow down, you know, slow your roll, you got to read your keys type of situation. And um, as I look back on it in retrospect, you know, it kind of helps me in the league, because at the end of the day, you got two different pieces in the league. You got a go, go, go style, and you got to sit back, read, play your technique style. So it's just, at the same, so it kind of helped me, you know, in the long run. But in the short term, I was kind of like, eh, I wasn't care for it. But obviously, you know, it all paid off. And um, the, the work that Coach Autumn, the work that uh, Devontae Cross, that they both gave me at those moments in the time, obviously paid off because I still, you know, I still did my thing that season. Well, what does the University of Missouri mean to you? Because obviously, they took a chance on you, and you became successful there, and experienced, like you said, some highs and lows. Your first two years, uh, I know you redshirted that first year. Missouri wins the SEC East. Your first year really contributing, Missouri wins the East again. And then it was kind of followed by some, uh, you know, some unfortunate years. Barry Odom, you know, is now gone from Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz is in. What does the university mean to you now? And do you feel like you will still keep up with the program kind of, you know, down the road here? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I think with me having a culture change midway through my, uh, or at the end of my career, um, it just goes to show that there's always be an effort on my behalf and on behalf of the university to always keep that connection and keep that bond. Um, and just like I said, when I when I left when I left Missouri, I always talk about a pipeline, right? A pipeline to NFL. And I also talk about the same thing with my high school, um, having a pipeline going to college. You know, creating from my high school, making preferences now one of the top high schools in, in the state of Missouri right now, um, currently. Um, and Mizzou is, you know, raving about kids that go there and everything like that. Just creating this, this trend of, you know, basically this pipeline of success. Um, I think that's, um, I think, I think even with that coaching team at the end of my career, it kind of showed that I still wanted to connect with them. They wanted to connect with me. We still did events. We still, you know, whatever I could, you know, my personal life, I still make them do as much as I could and, uh, talk to all the players. Even to the day, guys that are drafted, guys that are undrafted, guys in the league, not in the league. Um, they still know that I'm here for them and they always still hit me up and we always still communicate. So I think it just goes to show that it's deeper than football. Mizzou is stuff is deeper than football. Um, it's just really just a, a badge of honor to be able to represent that university. You know what I mean? Not just from a, a, a athletic standpoint, but also from an educational standpoint. You know what I mean? And, um, like I said, I mean, friends, friends who are athletes, friends who are not athletes are still my friends to this day. So, um, I think me going to Mizzou, I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, it's truly, it's truly, just a great opportunity. It really is a great university just for the state of Missouri to go up there and, you know, as the motto is in Missouri, you know, to show me. You know what I mean? Show me how bad you want to get to wherever you want to get to. Show me how bad you want to, um, how, how how much are you willing to give to succeed. And I think that's kind of what Mizzou kind of projects to all of the students, all of the students athletes. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think I took full play advantage of it. Like I said, my speech uh, going to the league, I feel like I exhausted all my resources when I was at Mizzou. You know what I mean? I feel like I couldn't. I couldn't go back to Mizzou for another year and get better. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I looked at it. And I feel like I took advantage of all those opportunities. So I think that's just the goal of any student athlete. You know, whenever you go to the university, especially University of Missouri, just to, you know, take off all your resources. Well, Charles, let's just pretend that um, things are going to go off as planned. The NFL and football is going to go ahead as as scheduled. I just because personally, I hope that's the case, as we all do. Um, so 2020, man, uh, you're going to get your first crack at your old teammate Drew Locke. And Patrick Mahomes here in Kansas City. So talk about play, uh, Drew uh, as a teammate and kind of how you've seen him grow in his short time in Denver. And then 
here in Kansas City, your hometown, Patrick Mahomes comes in, wins a Super Bowl for the Chiefs, and you're going to get a chance to play against uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs as well. You're going to get a chance to chase down uh, two pretty quality quarterbacks here this year, man, in addition to Tom Brady twice. So it's going to be yeah. – <laughs> this could be fun, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm de- I, we definitely got a quarterback drawn schedule. That's for sure. We definitely <laughs> got sacked there. <laughs> we definitely got sacked there. But, um, no, nah, not, not on that behalf. You know, I don't say that, you know, to, to downplay those guys or anything like that. But, uh, but hello, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, no, nah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a great opportunity. Drew himself, I mean, when he first came in, he was kind of, you know, quiet on the quiet side, more so, more about action, didn't really speak that much. And um, even the same when I'm on my last year, you know, he didn't really say much, but he's led by example. And uh, that's something I always admired about him, because um, that's kind of how I live and I was going to do. I kind of led by example, but then I kind of had to be forced into the role of, you know, being this, um, you know, more, um, what do you call it, more, um, you know, talkative individual or talkative leader. A vocal leader, yeah. And that's kind of what I assumed, that's kind of my advice to Drew when I was actually leaving as well. It's kind of like, yo, you have to assume the role of being more talkative. Like, it's just it's just that simple. Like, no one else is going to step up and, um uh, not only be able to command with action, but also be able to back it up. You know, not only command with words, but also be able to back it up with action. I kind of told Drew the same thing. Uh, that's kind of like, that's kind of where things are going, you know, especially when I had love. So he's definitely tricking around with it because when I left Mizzou, uh, it was nothing but raised reviews about, you know, his locker room presence, his um, his leadership, on and off the um, and things of that nature. So it's, um, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely great always seeing guys who, he went to school with, or uh, went to play ball with in the league as well. So I look forward to seeing Drew. For sure, I definitely look forward to seeing Drew. But I ain't no love lost there. You know, we, we lined up, but ain't no, you know, ain't no buddy, buddy. Hey, what's up? <laughs> before, before the game, hey, what's up? But then, you know, during the game, it's over with. So that's kind of my mentality going in facing Drew. The same with Pat. I met, I actually knew Pat before we actually both got drafted. I uh, went to an all-star game down at Dallas, Texas at the Cowboys Stadium. And obviously he balled out and, you know, swung the ball in that performance, and I think I got like third place at all. Um, the lineman over the kids would be in our little drills, whatever. But yeah, Pat, he's a great guy as well, and uh, you know, he's a great quality individual. And you know, for guys to be so shocked, you know, at his performance as a test, it's, uh, it's almost it's almost something you sit back and laugh about. You know, it's almost something you sit back and laugh about. It's like, yo, I've been seeing this. You know, what I mean, we was at the All Star game, I'm like, okay, he's he's a little different. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just great seeing him come along and. Same, same with being in Kansas City. You got to perform in front of our, in front of my city. Uh, I feel like it's my like city. I feel like it's my stadium. So I look forward to that matchup. Well, we will see you here in late December, of course. Uh, last thing, Charles. I mean, when you're. You know, when you're when you're talking with um, you know your coaches, or you're kind of having these meetings, or you're you know doing kind of things on Zoom, or what the way that things are going now, it's kind of crazy. I mean, are they are they talking about? We're planning on going on us. You know that we're 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 going to make this happen. I mean, what what is your thoughts? I mean. When it comes September 10th, are you guys lining up and playing football? I mean, that's that's the that's the main thing here, right? We want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, so we kind of in the house, like giving one up. So we have like NFLPA, uh, like medical doctors that speak, speak to us players, trying to try to give us the real facts instead of seeing on TV. Um, but for the most part, I mean, there's no clear cut decision as to what's going on. I really feel like the NFL is kind of sitting back and watching the other leagues. And see how they uh, kind of go about things and the measures that they take, which is, you know, which is definitely smart. Um, you know, but at the same time, it's different. Football is more different. It's a little more, you know, it's a lot more individuals, a lot more bodies, a lot more contact, uh, for sure, versus, you know, other sports. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not for sure about, you know, what's going to happen. Hopefully we all can get back to, get back to playing and things like that. So, uh, 
No, I mean, right now, obviously, we ain't got no OTAs or anything like that, which is unfortunate, you know, especially guys in my situation where, you know, I got traded. I haven't even been really messing with me, you know, shaking hands to any of my brothers yet, you know, but, you know, obviously, I'm taking necessary steps to call each one of them on Zoom and to kind of have, you know, personal conversations. But I think it's also, it's also kind of the benefit of it. You know, you have you're able to get to know guys, you know, personally are deeper, you know, during the time like this, you get to actually motivate one another, communicate about what's going on in your situation, our situation, and I think it's also, there's always beauty in the darkness, so I think that's something that's definitely being seen right now. Charles, thanks so much for joining us, man, taking the time. It's, um, you know, been a few years. We were there, like I said, at the at, at uh, Mizzou's Pro Day in 2017 covering you, and it's going to be a pleasure to continue watching you grow as a player. You've got a lot of people uh, cheering for you from, from Kansas City, from Mizzou, from all over the place, man. So make this one count. Best of luck going forward, and thanks a lot, my friend. We'll catch up again soon. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Thank you, man. You bet. Thanks, Charles. Well, there you hear it. Charles is excited to strap it up and go against his former teammate, Drew Locke. He said there'll be no love lost on the field, no buddy-buddy when he takes on Drew. He was able to meet Patrick Mahomes in 2017 at an all-star game, kind of before the draft, so he's very familiar with him. And like you mentioned, Tom Brady is back in his life. He played against him six times, and you know what? The Dolphins had decent success against the Patriots during those years, even if the uh, team itself wasn't very good. You know, the two different years in 18 and 19, the Dolphins beating the Patriots gave the Chiefs the one seed in 18 and the two seed in 2019. And really, that's what really propelled the Chiefs to winning the Super Bowl, getting a home field advantage, being able to beat the Texans and Titans instead of having to go on the road. Uh, it would have been a much difficult, uh, much more difficult uh, journey for the Chiefs. So great to catch up with Charles Harris. And we're just excited. He, you know, we asked him, what, what are you hearing? Do you think this is going to happen, you know, as scheduled? Charles says he doesn't know, but, you know, everything he's hearing, they're just proceeding as if it's happening until it isn't. Yeah, proceeding as if it's happening. And if it does, will there be fans? And if there aren't fans, what are your thoughts? I'm throwing it back to you on the piping in the crowd noise and digitized fans. Are you going to be good with that? It's going to be like a Madden game in the stands. Yeah, so many people you see uh, online, you know, the online streams of Madden and NCAA Football 14 all over the place uh, on Facebook and in social media during these times. And it's like, I guess people are going to have to get used to that. I think that I, I remember making, having the same thought whenever I was watching WrestleMania last month. WrestleMania, which is the grandest spectacle every year, it's in a, a large stadium and it's just on this huge scale. Um, massive attendance, usually over 60,000 people there. And in this year, it was in an empty performance center. It took away all the luster. It didn't feel like WrestleMania. It didn't feel like it mattered. And I remember thinking at the time, and I think I even said something to you, like, can we just put digital fans in there and make it look like a stadium? I mean, I, you see it all the time and, um, in movies and stuff where they have 200 extras in, this, in a stadium shooting a football movie, and they're able to digitize that into a full stadium. I guess if that's what it's going to have to be, I'll get on board with it. It'll be interesting to see what it would look like. I mean, to know that the fan, the players in the stadium are hearing just silence and we're seeing this kind of fake constructed atmosphere. We'll have to see how it goes, but I guess I'm for it if it means football happens and happens on time. Yeah, I'm a little leery of the digitized fans and how that'll look, if it'll be cheesy and take away from the product. Like, what in the world is that? But the piped-in crowd noise I'm all for. Uh, whether it's happening in the stadium, I'm guessing probably not. That's just something Fox Sports and uh, CBS, ESPN, NBC will do. Um, if others, it, and it'll be weird if only Fox Sports does it and others don't do it. So depending on what game you're watching, it's not happening. So 
there's a lot to go into this and a lot of questions that I have with it and to see how it works. And is this something that they would try week one and then week two change and alter it because it's, it's weird. Like the fans in the stands, maybe they get rid of those after trying it for one week, but it's definitely interesting. Uh, something I never thought I'd have to talk about or realize, like I remember talking about it in Madden, like, Oh, the fans don't look real. Hopefully like in, uh, new iterations going forward, they make them look more real and real. But uh, to think about it actually happening for a real game, real games that count in the NFL is just something that I can't even really fathom right now, but it, apparently it's going to happen. Well, you better fathom it because we're going to be going, taking our uh, green screen photo caps here anytime to be a part of uh, some of these NFL crowds. <laughs> I'm excited about that, and I hope that you're excited about what we're doing here on the Elite Sports Podcast because during this crazy time, these last two months, we're trying to provide you just a little bit of a slice of distraction uh, during your week. We're trying to bring on guests, trying to keep engaged with the, the sporting universe, and I hope that you're still you know, staying engaged with us here on the podcast. So hit that subscribe button, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify, and as always, hit us up on our website, gasnsports.com. That is the Great American Sports Network. We always thank you for uh, your star ratings and reviews on iTunes. So continue to do that. We're going to keep the interviews coming because during this time, it's important that, you know, we, we stay in touch with some of our friends in the sporting world and that we are able to keep you abreast of what's going on. And kind of from an athlete's point of view, uh, a lot of fans and a lot of people can spout off about how they think there will or won't be football. Nope, sports in 2020. Yes, start it up. The SEC, the campuses are opening. Let's go. California says no. SEC says yes. You know what? We try to bring on people that are actually in the trenches and uh, involved in, in sports in one way or another. So we thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week once again here on the Elite Sports Podcast.